Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Welcome to the White Witch Podcast with me, Carly. Hope you are all well, witches. We have quite a long episode today. We haven't got a book review because some weeks I managed to plow through a book in a week. Others, if they're quite full on, I do struggle. And this week is one of those weeks, one of those books, but you are going to love the review for this particular book. We have a non-fiction witchcraft book that I'm working on at the moment. So before I get started with today's episode, I just want to say that at the time of you listening to this podcast, my Patreon, The White Witch Coven, will have gone live. And I would love it if you could support the show by joining up if you feel the call to. So by signing up for £6 a month, not only will you be able to access Grimoire Sheets for Series 2 of the podcast, some of Series 1's episodes will be gradually making their way onto the Patreon also. You will have access to an exclusive podcast episode purely for the Patreon each month, plenty of other witchy content, and you will have access to Discord where we can all connect for witchy conversations. And I must say, it's been wonderful being introduced to you all on Discord. We've had lots of witchy topics that we've already been discussing. So you will need to sign up via the page Patreon. I will post a link in the show notes. And if you go onto Patreon app itself, you can search up the White Witch Coven. Not only will you be accessing a ton of witchy content, but you will also be supporting me to create the podcast. It does, of course, cost me money to host the podcast, also for resources, so books and so on. And I do get a lot of help with production. So it means I can really work on making the show better also. So on today's episode, we have an interview with a hedge witch in the very true sense of the word. I am honoured to have my beautiful friend Rachel with us on this episode. She is a wonderful hedge witch and shamanic practitioner who I truly believe straddles between the two worlds of here and the spirit world. Some of my most magical conversations have happened with this wonderful soul And I'm sure you will understand what I mean when you hear her on the interview. She has helped me a lot with my personal journey in regards to soul theft, soul loss and journeying. You have likely heard me mention her a few times on previous episodes. So without further ado, here is my interview with Rachel the Hedge Witch. I hope you enjoy here with the lovely Rachel who is my shamanic practitioner friend who I've mentioned before on many an episode especially on the soul loss soul retrieval one. Within Rachel's practice she works with individuals for any physical spiritual and emotional issues that they might be experiencing. Hello Rachel welcome to the show. Hello thank you for having me. I'm so excited you're on. We talked about this for a little while. And um, yes, this is one of the episodes that I'm keen to get into. So, Rachel, this is something you and I have spoken a little bit about recently. Before we delve into the shamanic side of things, we just had the Witchlings episode. Are there any ways you have shared the craft with your children that you're happy to share with us? Yeah, so I've got two daughters who are almost 10 and 8. And they've, I think the biggest way that I've sort of shared or opened up witchy stuff with them 
is just being accepting of anything that they say and then like reeling with what they come out with. So we've got my youngest daughter tends to um, just know stuff about plants. I don't know where she knows it. She knows things that I don't, but she can tell you straight away what plants going to help with whatever physical ailment she's talking about. I love um, that. And also once when she was too way too young to really know what she was telling me about told me how she died in her previous life which uh, you know if I didn't have that open-minded witchiness I don't think I'd have thought anything of it but her story and I can go into that if you want was just so weird and oh please do especially after the past <laughs> life episode I, I, I know you told me briefly about it but yeah I'd definitely love to hear about it yeah so she must have been no older than three and I said something about having just hurt my back and she looked at me with this face of um, recollection and said oh I hurt my back and I said did you when did you do that you know she was two or three she was with me all the time um, and she said when I fell on the rock so what rock darling what did you what did you do at home at nursery where were you and she said no I fell on the rock and the doctors wanted to cut me open, but I couldn't see and I couldn't hear. And then I died. And then I came to you, mummy. <gasps> oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> like way too young to fabricate. No. She wasn't watching television at the time that could have fueled her imagination. There's just no way. Um, but yeah, oh, you know, wow. in past lives or at least being open minded to things like that, I think. Um allows you to then have conversations with them that don't sort of shut it down straight away I think in this western culture we can be so guilty of stopping people well kids in their tracks if they've got an imaginary friend or talk about something that they can see and you can't and it's really valuable like that that to me that's that's real it's their reality and we shut it out of them so that we all become you know westernized grown-ups I suppose and I think being open-minded to all of that is um, probably what's done the most for them to encourage them my other daughter's got very healing hands she just knows where you've hurt yourself if you know if you strained a muscle or something she knows where to put them and has some kind of innate I've never trained in Reiki but I'm assuming something like that where you can kind of transfer energy through she's just magical I love this. And there's a few anecdotes you told me through our friendship in regards to when you've been out in the garden and she's, you know, picked up a herb or a plant. <laughs> she she just has told you what she thinks it could be used for in a healing way. And you're like, oh, my God, Carly, like I can't get over this. I'm like, wow, she's definitely going to be, you know, a herbalist or something definitely Absolutely. down the line. I'm certain. Yeah, <laughs> she just loves it. She struggles with um eczema at times and and went and she said I think what I need is fever fume on me and I was like oh I don't know darling because fever fume is good for migraines but I'll read about it and if it says it's good for skin then we'll mix some into an oil for you and sure enough it said about skin irritation I was like right let's get you some then she just knows and she can name all the plants as well ones that I don't even think I've told her she just knows I think that's amazing I truly believe I remember talking to my daughter about this that I remember hearing, and I, I probably need to look more into this, but years and years and years ago, you know, about you being sent to who you choose to be your parents for, you know, in like a soul contract for this lifetime. And I remember telling my daughter that, and she was fascinated by it. And, you know, I really think that we are often chosen by our kids, you know, so because we've got certain you know I don't know knowledge or skills or ways about us that are you know intrinsically meant to work with them and I just think with your two girls like they couldn't have had a better mum you know with all the hedge witch side of things and the <laughs> work that you do you know to have like thrived within that to be honest from a very young age so yeah I, I love that I think it's fascinating it definitely suits them both so hopefully they yeah. <laughs> I don't want them to embark on their teenage years and want to move away from it I don't think they will but you never know do you because it could be just like embarrassing mum doing weird stuff at some point and I think it's always there I think to be honest you know um with my mum I just remember 
you know, as a kid being interested in things that she did, she was obviously like very much a green witch, but then getting to the teenage age and just thinking, oh no, that's too, you know, you don't want to be, hang- I don't want to be hanging out with my parents. And, you know, when you, but all of that stuff still stays with you. And then in an adult, you're like, oh, God, you know, I'm turning to my mother because you're doing <laughs> stuff because you just it's just ingrained in you like even things I saw as a teenager and I was like oh that's not you know that's not cool because my parents are doing it um but it always comes out you know so um say one more thing just (laughs) having just recently spent a week on holiday with my mum interestingly for us it's worked the other way as well so I thought I was kind of the black sheep of the family always the one doing the weird stuff and then as I've grown up I sort of thought my mum's got a lot of this in her and so did my grandma and I asked her on holiday I said when did you first notice that you were a witch then and thought she'd just laugh at me and she didn't she looked really thoughtful and said yeah I suppose in my teenage years and I was like I knew it like, I hadn't <laughs> seen it when we were young because she didn't really do any of this stuff or but she's definitely got it in her but me, having me be so um <laughs> what's the term out and proud about it means that yeah. she's then been able to step into it a little bit more so yeah, it can work both ways, I guess. I think that's the same with my mum because I think now that it, you know, even like later on in earlier years, you couldn't really step out and say it. I think even in, you know, I would say even the 90s and so on, when I was kind of dabbling in witchcraft books and and had an interest as a teenager, it was still very shrouded in mystery and, and nobody did would still, uh, you know, say it. You had to be really out and proud about it then to sort of, you know, wear the title. So I agree. I think my mum's very much the same now. Um, And I know in like the 70s and so on, it did have like a really big, you know, more people were into lots of witchy practices, but I still think the title wasn't worn then either. So yes, I do agree. It's very much the same with my mum, definitely. So I'm really keen to get into the shamanic side of things with you. I've been looking forward to this interview. Can I ask you your first experience of shamanic practice and what it actually is? Yeah, so even it's funny because we talked about what what questions and things we talk about. And even then when you say it, I'm starting to think about different things already because really we must all have shamanic experiences when we're children, when we're growing up but not necessarily acknowledge them as such. Um, But consciously, I um, embarked on a training course really with an interest in hypnotherapy Mm. in 2009, no, 2010, 2011. And it was like a a three-part course. One was hypnotherapy, one was neuro-linguistic programming, and the other was contemporary shamanic practice. And I was really open-minded, but like you know we've talked about in terms of generational stuff and stuff from decades past not so out with all witchcrafty things that I would then be really open-minded to absolutely everything so I read the the brief on what the shamanic practice was and I was like oh this might be a bit far-fetched for me but it was the first session that I attended where we um, played a game of hide and seek in our minds which I'll explain in a sec, that just persuaded me instantly that this is a real thing and can achieve a lot. So in terms of the hide and seek, when you uh, journey for someone or with somebody, you traditionally lie on the floor next to them, touching at your shoulder, your hip, your knee and your ankle. Mm. And this was like a a basic exercise just to get us to understand what it was. We'd probably at this point maybe travelled into lower world or something and got a power animal but this hide and seek game we had to hide ourselves in our minds in a a real place an imagined place somewhere you've been somewhere you'd like to go anything as long as you could visualize it so we're all paired up one of us lying there quietly just imagining ourselves somewhere and the other one finding where that person is in their own minds um there must have been I don't know four or five maybe even six pairs of us and every single pair was able to find where they their partner was. So whether it was in a forest or at a football stadium, um, <gasps> the woman that I was working with, I could see the water and the sun. And I was like, oh, it's either a beach or a swimming pool. And she was like, yeah, yeah, I was on this beach. And with me, I was working with a woman that was really not confident in her own abilities, but I think really skilled. 
And she took ages and ages and everybody else had finished and gone on to doing something else. And she sat up and said, I'm really sorry, Rachel. I just keep seeing a castle. And I was like, I'm in a castle. That's really weird. (laughs) But it was it was utterly remarkable to me at that time. And probably still I get goosebumps talking about it. I couldn't nothing could have happened more to have persuaded me more sincerely of the power of, of shamanic practice. So you also asked me what it, what it actually is. So that was my first proper experience of it. Um, but it's a way of, through the power of your mind, journeying for yourself or other people to heal anything about them that they want healing, either finding what problem exists for them and clearing it or um, finding what power or part of themselves they've lost and you can retrieve it and return it to the body and also removing things that don't belong in your own body that you might have picked up from somebody else, either stolen from somebody else or have latched onto you from somebody else, you know, against your knowledge or will that saps your own energy and just really returning your own body and mind and soul to what it's meant to be. I love that. And I just want to come back to the lady that took a little while to figure out where you were. Yeah. I listen to I think it's the shame and talk podcast recently and she gives a really good um discussion that you can like download for free um about how to get started with shamanic journey in and one of the things she says is not doubting where you go or what you see or what you pick up on because you know she was saying like shamanic practitioners see all sorts of weird and wonderful things they never doubt what it is they pick up it is you know it can be one of those things that really blocks us with journeying so I just think that's you know just something I wanted to sort of throw in because I see a lot of things and I do see a lot of things when it comes to journeying and I'm like what is that about you know why have I seen that and I've really doubted myself just thought I'm making it up but then as time's gone on it's come up for me or you know, I've gone further into a journey doing it the next time round. And I'm like, oh, wow, that literally blows my mind. This makes so much sense. Absolutely. Um, There's no right way to do it. So no. anything that you see is is right for you at that time. And if you start to question it, then you bring your conscious and logical mind in, which is not really where all this sits. You know, it's I think in terms of actually the practicalities of how you would journey, if you were going to undertake a basic journey for yourself, probably one of the safest and easiest things to do would be to um, get yourself, you know, comfortable, calm, play some shamanic drumming, because um, it's never a bit I go into in terms of detail and things, but there's a lot of science behind how the rhythmic repetition um, alters your brain waves and your yeah. brain and things that bit I sort of lose interest because it goes a bit scientific for me and I prefer to not not live in the world of science too often um, Same. But, um <laughs> you know get yourself comfortable play the drumming music or better still get someone to actually drum for you because there's just nothing like the live drumming going through you and imagine a tree now when when people first do this they can get stuck on the fact that they can't see a tree like um in their own minds they can't in their mind's eye they can't see it like they could see it in a film or something but actually if you open your mind and just allow the tree to appear it could be that you can just sense the tree or you see a part of the tree or you just know that it's there and then if you've just got to go with it whatever it is that you get that's the right thing for you at that time including sometimes getting totally stuck and blocked and not really being able to progress further with it because obviously it's like anything you know it's about intention it's about your commitment and because it is a path of um I've pinched this phrase from one of Sandra Ingerman's um, books but it's direct revelation it's what comes to you there is no right way of doing it it's therefore everything that happens happens at the right time and in the right way um I think I've totally gone off track a little bit there because no 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 but once you have imagined your tree um traveling down through the roots or a hole in the earth by the base of the tree into lower world, which is generally uh, like twilight forest type um, scenario and eating an animal that identifies itself as your power animal is a lovely way of of beginning and feeling both supported, connected, safe. You can talk with your power animal or your spirit animal, whatever you want to call it, or 
any animals that are there to help you with any particular issues. Um, and then obviously just remember when you finish doing whatever you're doing, you know, flying with your eagle or whatever it is, coming back up through the path and, you know, being grateful for your journey and, and closing it all down that way by go, going out the same way you went in. That's a, a lovely, lovely place to start. I love that. And I want to just say, actually, I mean, I think journeying was one of the best gifts that I ever had because, um, you know, learning how to journey, I I didn't even know that it was journeying. I went to the Mind Body Spirit Festival in London on my own, like years and years and years ago, because <laughs> at the time I didn't really have any friends that were like into anything like that. So I just was like, you know what, I'm just going to go off and have this day to myself. And, and I, I ended up in this strange, mad little igloo in the middle of this huge exhibition hall that the the festival was in and I didn't even know what I was in there for I was just like oh I'll just pop in here it looks random I'll you know and this guy was doing a meet your you know your spirit guides and went into this whole journey with him we were out in the middle of the you know I was out in the middle of the snow I you know and I met my spirit animal which um was a tiger and I have no affinity with tigers you know I'm a I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Leo. So I guess I'm always like, Oh, lions, you know? So I, and after that day, I basically started to meditate and go and see this tiger. And I'm not even joking. Like actually makes me quite emotional. If I think about some of the, the, the worst times in my life, most of them self-inflicted, I, have gone to see my spirit guide and there's conversations, realizations, things that have come out of that, that have been the most healing, you know, compassionate, soothing experiences I've ever had. I've not been able to have those conversations with anybody in my life that I could have in that world that have saved me. Like literally I'm, I'm not even joking. Like when I was, you know, in the worst, states ever um so if you can do it like oh my god Rachel what is going on (laughs) it's making me really emotional but it it literally like if you you know if you are really struggling and you know if you can have a go at it it can be and so now I've probably spent 10 years with my spirit guide like my spirit animal and even there's times when I've might you know in the past when I might have been scared or you know in in real life like in in the real world and I've kind of pulled upon that energy or just envisaged like my spirit guide with me and it's totally changed my stance like it's, it's such a powerful thing like I can't even begin to tell you I mean you know (laughs) (laughs) I love that you did it before you even really knew what it was and it's making me that that story is making me think of two things that I'd love to share one Mm. is um just a little anecdotal story about what happened when I was actually still on the training course um I'd met my power animal which was eagle and I'd come home all excited and uh enabled my husband to do the same like go and meet his which was wolf And then he, it was his birthday. I was heavily pregnant on the course and um, it was his birthday. So he was off with his twin brother in the woods. Um, Don't know how how easily to say this, but smoking a legal herb. (laughs) But something that was recommended by someone on the course, but also came with a massive warning of this knocks you sideways instantly. So he went off into the woods um, and at some point doing an exercise there, which was nothing to do with shamanic work, I had a fully clear image in my head of wolf. Mm-hmm. And this, what would have been the equivalent time my husband came round from this experience with what looked like eagle flying above his head in the trees. He'd had, the, he'd had this experience that had, had him so out of sorts that he didn't even recognize his twin brother whatever they'd have too much of it it's a a properly legal herb you can buy it in shops but it's um yeah it blows your mind like literally and um yeah what it felt like immediately on seeing wolf was that andy needed me or something had happened and we were probably just both we'd flipped and we were looking after each other on some kind of spiritual plane it was incredible 
I love that. It's Honestly, like so nothing surprises me when it comes to the journey and stuff anymore. I've had no. the, some of the strangest experiences that have worked their way into, you know, real life. Like there's, there's so many things I, you know, I want to kind of go into. Funnily enough, not on this episode, but funnily enough, after the past life regression that I did, yes, my journey in, wow, like something <laughs> happened to me in one of my journeys that literally blew my mind. But I will, you know, kind of, yeah, talk. It was all about one of the goddesses and it was just crazy, like things that sort of shift as things shift for you. Things can shift in the real world when they think they shift in a journey. And I think things can shift in a journey when they shift for you in the real world. Like it all goes hand in hand, I, I believe. Absolutely. That's my experience. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing we've not talked about, and perhaps you did on a previous episode, is how shamanic practices existed all over the world. And yes. Whilst there's no completely universal, this is the way journeying works and the, or shamanic practice works and this is what it means, there are some cultures that consider that the dream world is the same as our reality or yeah. that um, that is the real world and we're living in the dream currently. But certainly what's common through a lot of different cultures, shamanic practice, is the idea that you can shift things through a dream so what you've just said was through journeying but equally through a dream if you've ever had a dream that you felt you needed to go back into to change something or if you are able to lucid dream and dream about something in particular that's happening in your real life but you change it in your dream it can then have effects in like your waking life um, yes. so it's exactly what you're saying and like you say nothing surprising <laughs> nothing surprising everything's no. surprising and nothing's surprising and that's a big thing I think I want to say that, okay, so one of the things me and Rachel have been really keen to stress is that clearly both of us are, you know, from England. Um, so we have no, you know, we're, we're talking like native um, shamanic practices and so on. I, I don't think I'm wrong in saying that, Rachel, are we? Because to be honest, I mean, um, when it comes to like the shamanic side and I'm my interest has always really been in um the hedge witch side of things so you know like perhaps going back in terms of our native lands so the healers and a lot of tribes within the UK and you know within like obviously um you know like the Vikings, like the North side of things, which had a huge influence obviously in regards to the native lands here in the UK all of them had, you know, like shamanic practitioners, like seers and so on. So when I'm kind of coming to the shamanic side, I'm looking at it more from like the historical tribes that it originated from here, because obviously I, I don't live in, you know, like America. I know there's like a huge, you know, there's a huge shamanic side to things there because it's native to the lands that are there. But we've obviously got our own culture that would have had these shamans, um, in history too and I just think people don't realize that so much we yeah. don't realize that like m pretty much all of the world has had shamanic practitioners within their tribes it's just I think we've got such a disconnect now to a lot of our like history and culture from our native lands like there's such a break in it that we're yeah. not always aware that we had all of this too and it really matters you know because each culture that has um that uses shamanic practice they use plants and herbs that are found locally we have equally good plants and herbs found locally yeah. but we you know people import you've talked about this people import white sage which doesn't grow naturally here just to do their smudging when you can use juniper or rosemary or any of the things that grow locally so oh, good common or garden sage as well you know you absolutely. can use all of that like i've i've made yeah, we, we talked about making sage bundles from that. Just your common or garden green sage is perfect. And I think when you're talking about shamanic work, which is like with witchcraft, a proper connection with nature, you want to be connecting with the nature that's around you. That's not to say there's not loads of stuff you can learn from reading about shamanic practice in other cultures. Um, I've read a book about Hawaiian shamanic practice, which is really intriguing. But there's plenty here. And I think it, it, it depends on your... Um, personality type and what you're actually wanting to achieve but yeah for me it's trying to understand 
what existed in this country in this on this land and connecting with that because that's where we are and I think that's what links it to the hedge witchery isn't it is yeah yeah connecting with everything that's that's right where you are the spirit of the place where you're living like again something that um it's a Sandra Ingerman idea or, or the um forget what the book's called I've recommended it to you and I've forgotten it already I'll have to find it I'll see if I could link it in the show notes if I, I remember think it's awakening the spirit world I think it's that one and it talks about connecting with the spirit of the land where your house sits or any of the land in your village or even less like less no more focused than that connect with the grass that's growing around you you know be mm-hmm. that grass journey to become a blade of the grass that's on your lawn really connect with where you are because I think that's the only way we can have true value in our life certainly for me you know I don't chase money I don't chase other things obviously I've got to live but I don't seek to travel particularly far around the world I'm happy where I am but I want that connection with where I am as well I've got special places locally that I will sit and you know just be with the trees or be with the stream or whatever it is And I think that's crucial to properly connecting and then to having more powerful journeying and things and being able to achieve healing for yourself and for other people. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I just want to say as well, if you are fortunate enough, because I know a lot of people listen to the podcast and they're in America and so on and, you know, and other countries that are notorious for having a really strong kind of um shamanic background within their culture I'm just very jealous that you guys have got that I think what happens here in the UK is that we instantly assume when you're talking about like a shaman you know or shamanic practices you instantly think of America you think of like Peru you think of Africa and we've always had this disconnect with what has happened here so when I say that it is really just to say like a lot of people don't realise it, but we did have like all of that going on in pretty much every country and it's worth looking into for where you are. Well, people in this country don't often even know the word. If I talk about it, people are like, oh no, what's that? And then I have to use terms like witch doctor to get them to visualise (laughs) something to understand what it is. But um, it's a shame really, because I think fundamentally we've all got it in us and that's like why I want to talk about it because I think the more people that are doing this the better the future for all of us really. This sort of ties in nicely with our next question actually so how does a shamanic approach differ to a sort of modern western world approach? Yeah so we're quite I don't want to say limited like in the western world but I think we are really I think we've moved so far away from the earth and everything in it that we we rely on medicine and science and forget about the spirit body connection so whilst a shamanic view would see them as connected they do see them as separate things which mean that the soul can go off and do certain things do your journeying do astral travel whatever it may be whereas in the western world the body and the soul are one thing so if one is absent then so is the other you know the the body dies the soul dies with it sort of thing um we all view our worlds based on a few things really our values that come from our parents and learning from other people and our beliefs um things that don't really require any evidence for them to be true. So like a belief in a God or the idea of heaven and hell, things like that. And then our experiences that occur partly because of our values, partly because of our beliefs, but also our environment. And in the Western world, I I feel that it's generally pretty limited. It is that there's an an aspiration in life that you have to achieve something. You have to go out and earn money. You have to do whatever it may be, buy a house, have kids. Whereas in a shamanic worldview starting at a much more fundamental level I think that everything's got a spirit so not just people and animals but plants and earth and rocks and air and fire and water and just everything and when you start like that I think you can build gratitude into your day more easily and Mm. when you are grateful for things things just become 
easier and you seem to see signs in things that you maybe wouldn't see otherwise and maybe choose one path rather than another I think it's just a much more open-minded and connected way of living really yeah I think um was it Jenny who's on our witchy book club um talked about if you look for signs then it gets really interesting and that's right you know if you open yourself up to see what's actually there some people might call things coincidences but when you know that that's something that you're working towards or looking out for and it appears there is a huge relevance to that and it's very difficult to see or to believe that there is no spiritual element of life when things like that happen yes I agree definitely definitely and all of that is very much tied in as well with a lot of this folk magic that was from here anyway exactly yeah mm-hmm. um, there's so many links and I know this is one of the next things I think we were thinking about talking about in terms of um links with witchcraft mm-hmm. yeah so you know this is your white witch podcast it's absolutely inseparable in my mind and I struggle a little to remember exactly where I've learned different elements of the work that I do so whether it is through um, hypnotherapy and learning about subconscious and intentions and the rest of it whether it's through witchcraft or whether it's through shamanic practice because they are all so intrinsically linked when you started talking about journeying um, with your tiger I'm immediately thinking about shape-shifting as a, as a shamanic practice but of course historically that's a, a witch thing as well yeah yeah absolutely I agree I think they all are so intertwined anyway and then once you look at how looking back you know let's say with like um healers the medicine women and so on I mean we talked recently on the podcast about Irish uh medicine women who would carry out journeying and soul losses within the journeying you know um so yeah, I mean, it's just like you say, it's all so interlinked. And then once you kind of, I mean, as well, you know, looking at the shamanic practices, obviously they had the journey, but then they would then tie in a lot of the herbs and plants and so on. So you've got another element that is obviously huge within the crafts to reaching like reaching those journeying states and so on. Like it, it all goes hand in hand to me, to me anyway. Absolutely. I think I'm coming full circle kind of with this because it kind of goes back to witchlings and things. But, you know, things that exist in the shamanic practice also exist in just the normal world, but not necessarily acknowledged as such. So it's just reminded me of a story of my friend whose little boy had heard a word that he shouldn't be using. And when his mum had explained to him, actually, you know, we shouldn't use that word. And he felt the need. He must have been, let me think. It was probably five, six years ago, so maybe around five or six. He felt the need to get rid of it physically from his body. So he envisaged himself. He said, I know what I'll do, mummy. I'll put that effing, which was the word, down the (laughs) toilet. So he envisaged it going down the toilet and flushed it away. When she told me this story, I said, well, that's that's using the elements, isn't it? It's using water to rid your body of yeah. shouldn't be there. Like, that's amazing. And that's a child in a Western world just coming up with that by himself. So where we talked about my girls earlier and all the weirdness that they come out with, it's, it is just kids. They know it intrinsically. So therefore, that's what I said again, we all have it. And if we're interested in it, if we're drawn to it in any way, I just think explore it in whatever way works for you. Explore it and just see what comes from it and don't have fixed expectations necessarily, whilst at the same time you can set an intention to achieve something, which again is like witchcraft. I always have like a little caveat, like, you know, if it's the will of the universe, then <laughs> then let this work or show me what I need to know or something. Because I think, still think there's elements of you need certain things in life to be a surprise so you don't want to sign about everything you don't want to know exactly what's coming yes at the same time it can be useful you know progressing um rather than doing a regression journey progressing to your future self so that you can see yourself where you need to be it's not really any more than a sports professional visualizing themselves winning the race or you know whatever it may be it's a way of achieving what you want to achieve 
Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree with that. And I think you're right. It's really, it is a really good practice sometimes when you are going into a journey as well to set an intention for a question that you might want to have answered or, you know, a discussion that you might want to have before you go in. Because when I've come to talking to my tiger, I've gone in a lot of the time into the journey, like, and you probably shouldn't do this actually. Like there are times when I've gone into journeying because I've needed it and I've probably gone into it in not my best state because that's where I'm at at that time and set an intention, something I kind of want to discuss or something that's really triggering me and come out. And I'm like, wow, I never would have come to that just sitting by myself or writing it out or journaling or anything like that. I think that's a really powerful thing to use when you're going into it as well yeah setting your intention is absolutely crucial and something that I again skipped over when I briefly talked about how to journey because I think it's so um natural for me to do that but I forget what it is that I need to tell other people in terms of how to do it but how to do it sorry but yeah set your intention and then I think it's also nice to just journey for the sake of it to go and see your spirit animal or your spirit guides if you go to upper world or whatever it may be because sometimes it's nice just to go there and appreciate the fact that they're there and be grateful for their existence your connection with them without needing something from them like if you work with deities deities are not going to respond to you if you just say oh guess what I need this now and I need this now it's the same thing it's got to be some sort of reciprocal relationship and you can give your thanks to them like just vocally or you can take something with you when you journey that you give gift to them you know a plant or whatever some food like you would making offerings to deities and things It's, it's it's all about being respectful and grateful I think really I agree with you I'll be honest with you it's very rare that I set intentions on journeys I just go in there's a couple of times when probably I'll be honest with you, it was only when I started to actually learn what journeying really was, because I'd just been doing it as a meditation. I didn't actually realise it was called journeying for like the longest time. And it was only when people were like, you know, oh, yes, you have to set an intention. I was like, oh, I haven't been doing that. I've just been going in. But to be honest, I think you're right. Like sometimes just going in and showing up and showing appreciation for them. And, you know, there's times I've just gone in and then just ended up having a cry over this poor tiger who's just covered in like wet fur and stuff <laughs> I mean to cry and stuff but it's really funny actually I'm just really gonna I'm like this is your interview Rachel but really something that you said just made me think about this I had my past life regression all these weird and wonderful things I've got to do recently and I went into a journey and for I'll be honest with you for the longest I've not had much like not luck but I haven't really felt much of a connection with two of the deities that I've always worked with who are the Morrigan and Hecate and I kind of was really struggling with that because I felt like disloyal I sort of thought I'm sort of showing up and I'm you know trying to do all the work I used to do but like it doesn't feel like they're here like doesn't feel like anything's happening I always used to feel like a really strong connection with them And I've been going into this journey with my tiger for quite a while. So when I go into this journey, I've got a, like, I go in and I'm sort of in this jungle and I walk through all these sort of trees and, you know, then I end up coming up to this rock and I sort of have to climb up this sort of few rocks to get up to this landing space. And in the middle of a landing space is this pool, like this, you know, little, little, pool thing there and my tiger's always there and as I've gone into the journey the world's got bigger and bigger and I've seen more and more and I'd probably say since early spring I could see someone up on this sort of ledge that led into caves Um, and like I could see this woman I was really nervous of her I didn't really want to go and speak to her I didn't really know what it was all about um I'd just go and sit with my tiger but I was very aware someone was coming into the journey which is quite unsettling if you've gone into the same journey for like (laughs) 10 years like what who's Doris over there like what's going on um so in the end I ended up sort of my tiger said you need to go and meet 
like, you know, you need to go and meet them. And I was like, oh, you know, no, I'm really scared. I don't know why. I ended up going into this cave and met this, sounds like I'm having a real life experience. It, it really was. Um, I went into this cave and I met with this woman and she was like very pink. And when she got really excited, she would like, you know, like Mad Madam Mim on the Sword in the Stone. <laughs> yeah. You know, like when she used to explode and there'd be like all pink stuff and like, you know, just glitter and all of that. If she like laughed about something or got excited, she'd like go and, you know, like turn into like pink and stuff and then be back into a person. And I'm quite a realist. Like this was really weird for me because I've just got this tiger and then there's this woman who's sort of exploding and stuff. Um, And um, anyway, so I had months and months of going back and talking to her. And at first I was really nervous. I didn't really make any conversation. You know, I'd sort of get a nudge from my tiger to go up and speak to her. Where am I going with this? Went back, had some of the most in-depth conversations. One conversation after my regression, she said to me, I'm going to give you three wishes. What do you want? And I had to write these wishes onto like a leaf and put them into this cauldron, which I kind of wonder. So I know we did like a meditation similar with the high priestess temple along those lines, but um, with the leaf thing, but I had these three wishes and I really set my intention on what I wanted. Like I was so clear on what I think would have changed my life right now. She gave me the three wishes. I did the three wishes, put them into the cauldron and basically I said to her can I ask you what your name is I was really nervous I had been seeing her for a while hadn't asked her and she said Maya and I was like oh is that definitely it like I don't know why I said this but I said that's very simple like is that definitely your name and she said why have you always got to make things complicated and I was like, <laughs> oh wow you've absolutely got me so I came out of that journey and I didn't think anything of it. I didn't think anything about it. And I was still struggling with my deity relationships. And I'm going to get to the end of the story, but I'll give you the the ending. I was like, is there actually like a deity called Maya? Like it just like I, I was literally like three days after the that journey. I looked it up and there were a few. And there was one that I found, which was a Roman deity called Maya. Now, she's only a goddess for women. She's said to be, her name was held in such regard, like people would, you know, never say it. She lived in a cave. She was known for giving out wishes. And she was said to be somebody who turned down like all men. Like she never, ever, you know, and that's kind of a thing I've had. Like I've always kind of, you know, had issues with men, like I've turned down relationships, things like that. I've had a real like block with that. Um, (laughs) yeah. And then I looked at a picture of, oh, she's meant to be like really playful, like really true, like loves a bit of fun. So I kind of thought like, well, she was exploding quite a lot and laughing (laughs) quite manically. So I'd kind of put that together and I literally can find like nothing on her, honestly, like it's so difficult. And then I saw a picture of her and she was all pink, like flower, but not of her. And it was like so pink. There was so much pink going on. And I'm like, that has got to be who I'm meant to be working with. That's amazing. It's just what you need at this time for whatever reason. Absolutely. And, you know, then you look into um, kind of what that deity is all about. And I was like, this is because I'm not in the dark goddess part of my life anymore. You know, I'm not not going to like show my appreciation to Hecate, to the Morrigan. They were with me in some of the the shadow work, the dark core times, but I'm not there anymore. And that's what that journey gave me recently. So that blew my mind. So thanks for listening to my very long story. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's just triggering more in me. It's just making me think, because when you said about going to a cave, when I journey to lower world, the cave that is over this big plain is the access to the land of the dead. And you know, I've got a real (gasps) connection with, dead people (laughs) Um, uh, so I thought it was going to go that way so it was a really lovely story and um yeah to find out that that's what it was instead that's really great it's that's exactly it though it's very different for every person and that's why you shouldn't question it or 
think too much on it just take what you need to and be grateful for it because that's given you exactly what you need whereas I'm always a little bit I go into the, the caves with trepidation um you know trying to be as, as positive and <laughs> forward thinking as possible whilst knowing that I'm surrounded by death but there we go absolutely and I think you know well that's the thing because you know so much about the other worlds and I think if you come to it new and with fresh eyes you know if you don't have you know a huge amount on journey in you probably are less aware at the beginning to sort of shut things down as well or to be hesitant, I guess, in some respects because you're just getting started with it, if that makes sense. Like, in a, it, like you know, ignorance is bliss kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's <laughs> just going with it, you know, like you say, just very early on in my training, the, the woman that trained me is an absolute magician. I love her. She's just great. Um, and I spoke to her about some what I now know was journeying but at the time didn't and it was to do with past life stuff and I said there are three figures across this river and I feel quite fearful and she just said just go with it it will be all right and you know I did and it was and finding out who those figures were and things you can we fear is kind of built up in us in this life that there is always something to fear I mean the media perpetuates that like nothing else but actually we've got all the answers in ourselves I believe or can access them and there isn't really a great deal to fear it's just going with stuff and just seeing what comes of it absolutely no I agree I agree completely so Rachel can I ask you how you have used you know your shamanic work any particular stories that you can give us you've given us a few like definitely (laughs) perhaps we need to discuss so I've used it therapeutically for um a friend of mine who had suffered with fairly lifelong um I don't think it's an overuse of the word to say self-loathing you know early experiences leading to just pretty horrific way of viewing herself um and someone that I've known all my life so I really felt this and um, did she'd been going to counselling for a long long time and I don't know whether she ever connected the fact that after she'd been to see me for um shamanic journeying and then we did a soul retrieval for her perhaps I'm trying to remember it so many some years ago it may have been a spirit extraction as well but it was very very shortly after that her counsellor was like I just think you're a different person. I think, you know, mm. you're, you're done. This is all great. And to me, I was like, yep, there we go. <laughs> but I didn't, you know, I wouldn't ever go back to her and say, oh, do you think that's because of that journey that I did? But to me, if you lose part of yourself, you want no amount of counselling is ever going to replace that. So you, the counselling may then top up what you've achieved if once you've had that soul retrieval and turn away, around your way of thinking. But you can't progress and be you without all of you there. So that was one that really sticks in my head, partly because of the relationship I have with this person. But um, with my daughter, um, she got a very serious virus when she was 10 months old and was in a the hospital. They thought it was meningitis, so they needed to do a lumbar puncture where they stick needles in her spine to get the spinal fluid. And I was horrified by this. Interestingly enough, I'd had the same experience when I was about 10 months old. Um, oh, wow. You know, there's the cycle going round like yeah. it does. And my husband insisted on staying with her while she had the lumbar puncture, and I couldn't be part of it. They don't encourage parents to stay in at all because it's so hideous. But he said, there's just no chance this is happening without me there. So he went and was one of a team of six people holding down my 10-month-old baby to do this hideous thing. Um, when she came out she was like a little broken shell of a child it was he laid her in my arms we were told to keep her flat because of the reduction in spinal fluid you know she needed to lay down while it replenished whatever it does Um, otherwise she could end up with really severe headaches and things and she would just lay whimpering in my arms and I straight away thought she's just lost a part of her soul. Soul can depart from the body because of trauma. So, you know, it can't have gone far. You know, it's literally just happened. So I just closed my eyes and did a, a soul retrieval for, for her. Um, discovered that her power animal is owl. And owl oh. came straight away back with the purest, whitest, shiniest thing in its beak that I then returned to her. 
Now, if I'd had that just that experience, that would make me think, yeah, yeah, that could have just been in my own head. But it had a physical impact on her. She was laying in my arms. She'd been whimpering. And as I returned her soul part to her, she just let out this little soft sigh and then settled and went to sleep. It was so profoundly moving. I thought if I never achieve anything else with this training that I've done, I don't care. This is worth it all. And I honestly think she'd have been a different child without it. And things like that just stay with you. You know, I'm getting goosebumps again just talking about it because it was so incredible, so powerful, and hopefully took away that trauma that had occurred to her or at least made it manageable. Incidentally, she she didn't have meningitis and she never needed the procedure in the first place. It was just them being over-enthusiastic. But um, yeah, I would have felt certainly a lot more dreadful about it than I do if I'd not been able to do that for her and help her recovery. Oh, that's so beautiful. What an amazing thing to have been able to do as well, especially with your children. Just so grateful that I ever knew anything about it and certainly in time for that. But then, you know, there are no coincidences, are there? That's just how it all happens. Well, I'm having a moment now. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very emotional episode today. (laughs) And talking along those lines, actually, so we obviously delved into soul retrieval and soul loss on the show, but can you talk to us about your work in this field? I know that you've gone into quite a few examples, but is there anything you feel might be good to add or, you know, that might differ from what I outlined on the episode? I think because it is your own individual journey, the first thing to do, and you may have covered this, I'm not sure, certainly you have in terms of talking about Dark Night of the Soul and things, is just to sit and write down all the occasions that could have caused a soul loss for you. Um, I'm not sure whether you went into spirit extraction, did you? No. So the idea is that if you've got something that's latched onto you that shouldn't be there, or let me think how to word this, if you lose a part of your soul because of a relationship breakdown, and it's so devastating to you that a part of your soul flees to protect itself. That's one thing. But if in someone leaving you or in your own guilt of leaving someone else, you actually have a part of them that remains <sighs> with you, you have to remove that before you can then retrieve the missing part of you to create the space for it. So I think that's like the main thing, I think, that everybody gets caught up in the idea of soul retrieval and it's wonderful and you need to do that and obviously in a case like I've just outlined with my daughter there was no need to remove anything it was a clear case of that's a direct trauma that's just happened go and get that soul part back and return it straight away but if it's something more complex or it's over a period of time like um I don't know your mum doesn't want you to leave home when you go off to university and you've got you've got the tears and you've got the guilt and she manages to attach a bit of herself to you unknowingly you know this is not a conscious thing that people go in and think you're not getting away anywhere (laughs) I'm gonna stay with you um then that needs to be removed so that you create that space within you to then return your own soul parts you know and it's the same kind of process traveling into your own body or Um, into the other worlds just to find what it is you need to find and depending on the circumstances of it that's different it's not really possible to give a generic this is what you need to do yes Mm. but just to remove things I suppose to start with a divinatory journey to find out what's there that shouldn't be there and things that don't belong in your body often look a bit different physically different um you know clear a blockage that's there from somebody else from something else or from your own build-up of anxiety or um some other I don't want to say negative feeling because all feelings are are useful in their own area but when there's too much of them then obviously a blockage from something that doesn't belong needs clearing before you can then bring something back if that makes sense I think I keep going off on a different tangent definitely absolutely I know we talked about soul theft but that also yeah the soul you know the extraction side of things as well is not something we went into but Yes, I think for me, like the soul theft part was, you know, one of the hardest bits. I really struggled with that, you know, when it came to myself. But yeah, there's so many little ways that I think as well, you know, writing out the list um, for like in shadow work, I think it's 
okay, I just want to sort of say it's okay if there are things that come up and you're like, that's really weird that that feels like it was something that, you know, took a little bit of my soul because I wrote some things down and I was like, I don't really understand how this triggered me so much, but it did. And it was just, you know, tiny little conversations and things like that. And I think you've just got to honour what comes up, no matter how small as well. I don't know if I'm wrong on that. No, absolutely. Yeah. Like it that triggers you. And, you know, I think what amuses me is how um, in popular culture, there are references to the actual feeling that you have when you know that a part of you is missing. You know, people talk about um, in songs about always finding their other half, like some part of someone else is going to make you whole or, I even once saw an advert that said something along the lines of something missing from your life. It could be this perfume. <laughs> there might be something missing. I'm politics <laughs> not that perfume. Um, but it's tapping into that feeling that so many people have that something is missing. They've lost something somewhere along the way. They don't feel completely whole. And so this, this is the process in my view of, of getting it back. I just want to stop you there, perfume advert. That was probably <laughs> part of my soul that I lost in uh, 1993 as a result of a boy called Darren. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, it's true. That's Yeah, I absolutely, yeah, there's so many references to things like that. And, you know, yeah, you just think, no, no, that would be that part of your soul that you lost. <laughs> but it's so interesting, you know, that we can, like, when we talked at the beginning about Western view versus shamanic view, that's, we, we know it. I've said it all along, you know, we've all got it in us. Kids definitely have it. And I think we lose it as adults, but we do know if we tap into what we're actually feeling, we know it, we know it's true. It's just distraction that talks us out of it. And uh, yes, I'm on a mission to distract everybody and say, this is what, this is what I think can help you. I love it. I love, I was going to say, obviously one of my favorite elements of shamanism is journeying. I, find it fascinating and I'm sure there's lots more we can sort of talk about on the podcast going forward in this realm but I mean we've gone into so you've given us so many tips today is there any further insight into how to journey that you feel we need to know anything that you can leave us with as a you know regards to how to get started I think the main thing is having that quiet space in your head as well as um in the surroundings that you've got you know make sure everybody's out or no one's going to disturb you and just get yourself into a quiet space definitely use some drumming it definitely does achieve something quite remarkable and just go with it just see what happens the tree is a very typical way of doing it there are other ways but I always use a tree visualize a tree and you can travel through the tree to either lower world where you meet with your animal guides and deal with usually past trauma or through the trunk of the tree where you meet with nature spirits and you're looking at um, present issues or to the upper world where you've got your spirit guides um, be they you know uh, people from your past ancestors um, angel guides whatever it is that resounds with you and that deals with the bigger picture things and just see where you go. And honestly, I'm available for any questions or anything. I'm so keen for other people to get into this. But if you want to email me, find out, you know, ask me questions, find out anything more, or even just have a recommendation for a book or anything else that can get you started. I, I think we've all got the answers within us and that this is a really good way of accessing those answers. So any support I can give, very, very welcome to it. Before I ask you to give us your like social media details and so on, I'm going to throw, like, put you on the spot here, Rachel. Are there any books that you love, perhaps in the Hedgewitch or the shamanic side of things, that you could recommend? Well, Hedgewitch, the one that you've already reviewed, that Entering Hecate's Garden, I can't be without that in my life. Love I, yeah. I listened wow. to it for part of our um, book club. And as I was listening, I was thinking, I need the physical book. I can't just have the audible one. So I went and bought it as well. I mean, that's incredible. Um, the one thing I've not talked about at all, actually, is just like, um, you know, your oracle cards. You obviously had Erin on before about tarot. But yeah. power animal cards, which obviously link into shamanic work. And they're incredible. Very, very simple to use because you can, you know, literally just turn one. Um, but they've been constantly 
a surprise to not just me, but other people that use them and how accurate they are and how they give you some message that you really need. Um, one that's kind of linked to both of those things, but neither one nor the other, is a book by a lady called Deb Shapiro called Your Body Speaks Your Mind, which if you are looking at physical ailments, um, you know, I've had a lot of physical stuff in my past that I'm gradually moving away from medical treatment of and trying to deal with myself, hopefully quite successfully so far. Um, that book is incredible at looking at the mind-body connection, which I think even Western medicine accepts now. The idea that if you have a bad back, could that be because you're shouldering too many burdens and the weight of it on you mentally is impacting um, on you physically, that sort of thing. But that's a wonderful book. Wonderful. I'm going to check that out as well. Definitely. I'm going to have to ask you, you know, I have, I'm throwing this one at you as well before you go. What music do you like to listen to when it comes to your witchy practices? Do you know, because I've heard you ask other people this, I've thought about this so much. And as a child and a teenager, I just didn't listen to music at all. And so this question always filled me with dread. <laughs> like, properly, like, ah, oh, I really, really don't know. I even remember going on a training course once that was for like, I don't know, PowerPoint or something like that. And the young lad who was running it get, made us make a list of albums. And I was like, I don't even know a single album to be able to write down. But I do have some favourites nowadays. Um, ever since my connection with Baron Samadhi, which you're aware of, I really like kind of New Orleans type blues music. Yeah. I love um, music like, I guess it's folk music, like the Unthanks. I don't know whether you're familiar with them, um, but they have some beautiful songs and, um, and just classical stuff. There's some modern classical stuff I like, a composer called... Ludovici Arnaudi, I think, Italian bloke. He's got some wonderful music that was used on a clowning course that I did, which all fits in beautifully with all this witchcraft and shamanic stuff as well. But um, that's another story for another day. I love this. I'll definitely check those out. Rachel, where can we find you? So I'm just on Instagram in terms of shamanic work. So just Hedge Witch Rachel, which is R A C H A E L. Um, on Instagram but just like I say any questions about anything if you're interested at all if you want any signposting to anything just let me know and you know if I can help you I will I'm so grateful you came on today I feel like I've just been having one of our normal chats <laughs> <laughs> I think I kept getting lost at times think forgetting that it was for a purpose rather than just a chat that's why I love doing the interviews on here because all the, you know all the the wonderful people that come on like they are you know friends and um you're a very dear friend to me so it's been absolutely wonderful to have you on I've forgotten that we were doing an interview as well. <laughs> I've enjoyed it so thank you thank you ever so much Rachel you enjoyed today's episode Rachel is actually one of our Patreons so she has been part of the witchy conversations on the discord app I will link her Instagram details on the show notes aside from that I want to say thank you so much for all of your listens your podcast reviews for getting in touch with me on Instagram you can find me over on Instagram at the white witch company I'm also on Facebook the white witch company and you can get me on email carly at the whitewitchcompany.co.uk have a great week witches I will catch up with you all soon lots of witchy love <laughs> <laughs>